Okay, that's all the announcements that I got. Unless I, did I forget anything? No? Okay, cool. Typically, we'd have our scripture reading, but I'm going to wrap it into our sermon for today. So let's get out of the announcement mindset. Let's get into the message mindset. Let's just take a big deep breath. Can you do that with me? Nice big inhale. Okay. And if you'd like to pull out your Bibles, uh, we will be in Genesis chapter 18 this morning. But first, I want to share with you uh, just a story that happened pretty early on after we moved here to the Bay Area. We were, you know, enjoying the California weather. We were sitting out on our front porch, and all of a sudden we see a car pull up in front of our house. Nothing abnormal, nothing unusual. But when I saw this car, something inside of me said, you know what? They need to eat dinner at my house. And so I went over to the driver's side before they even got out of the car, and I'm like, hey, you guys need to come into my house for dinner right now. So I call to Jenny. I say, fire up the grill. Go bake a cake. Let's pull out the best bottle of wine we've got. Let's get sodas for the kids, and let's have them in our house for dinner, total and complete strangers. And so that's what we did. If you can't see Jenny's face right now, let me describe it to you. It's the... This never happened. Why would you ever make up a story like that face? That didn't actually happen, okay? It didn't happen, but here is a story that did happen. And it's just, it should be just as shocking and surprising. Because I saw the looks on your faces. You're like, who the heck does that? Like, why would you just randomly tell someone who's in front of your home to come in and eat at your table? Genesis 18, verses 1 to 8. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and he saw three men approaching. And when he saw them, he ran from the entrance of his tent to meet them. He bowed down to the ground and said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, don't pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves From the heat of the day under the tree, let me bring a little bread so that you may refresh yourselves. And then after that, you can go on your way, since you have come to your servant. So they said, all right, cool. Do what you said. And so Abraham hastened. He quickened into the tent, and he looked to Sarah, and he said, yo, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make some cakes. And then Abraham ran to the herd. He took a calf, tender and good, and he gave it to a servant who quickly prepared it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and he set it before them and stood by under the tree while they ate. We are wrapping up this series on old school rhythms. And for today, we're looking at the old school rhythm of being rooted in hospitality. And so how perfect of a story that we visit Abraham sitting under an oak tree. Trees have roots. We're rooted in hospitality. Amazing connection to start things off this morning, am I right? All right, for real though. Abraham's hospitality in Genesis 18 is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. So if you're willing, how about we wander around a little bit today looking for rhythms of hospitality. That cool? We good with that? I love hospitality. I love it. I love every aspect of it. 
And so uh, first and foremost, I got to give a shout out to my mom. You know, I hollered at my dad during the confession time because he had to put me down, you know. But let me give a shout out to my mom this morning because she showed me what it meant to host people in our home well. She showed me what it looked like to invite people into our home and around our table with abundant generosity, always putting the best foot and the best food forward in the most welcoming way possible. Mom, thank you. I love you. And thank you for showing me this. But I also want to give a shout out to Paul and Sefo. A couple weeks ago, none of you knew this, but I showed up and there was a grill in our courtyard and a table set up. And they, out of the generous, hospitable hearts that they have, said, you know what? The teachers have a uh, professional development day. Let's buy some taco meat and let's make some tacos for the teachers. They told me that all the teachers who had, uh, what was it, a 45-minute lunch break, stuck around for two hours, talking, hanging out. I didn't tell them to do that. Pastor Dawit didn't tell them to do that. They chose to do that. Shout out to Silas. I've seen him give more food away to people than anyone else that I can think of. Shout out to you, Good Shepherd. Last week's pastor appreciation lunch was one of the most humbling things I've experienced. To show up, not expecting anything, and there's a table full of homemade flautas, tostadas, cakes and everything, and people just sitting around, just eating together sharing food with one another. What a display of hospitality. So shout out to y'all as well. And finally, shout out to the hospitality industry that I worked in for many years. So as someone whose American culture isn't terribly hospitable, it was in the hospitality industry that I learned humility. I learned generosity, and I learned the joy that comes with serving people at their tables, but also then learning how to invite them to join me and my family around our table as well. And the reason that I included humility in there, because if you've ever worked in the hospitality industry, not everyone is thankful for your service. And sometimes people are just downright rude. As a matter of fact, I was in San Francisco with our daughter Rose this week uh, for an appointment, and we got off BART. We're walking through. It was cold. She's like, Dad, I'm cold. I'm like, hey, there's a Starbucks. Let's get a hot chocolate. But being a newbie, recently returned to the Bay Area, I was unprepared for San Francisco Starbucks. Apparently, you can't order at a register. You had to order on the app. So I walk in looking like a complete fool, and I'm like, hey, can I just order a hot chocolate? Like, ooh, we'd really prefer you order on the app. So then I had to download the app that I haven't used since 2015. Then I had to try to remember my login credentials just to order a hot chocolate. And so I'm that guy standing in the lobby. Everyone else, like, literally is walking. They're like, oh, Frank, okay, cool, thanks. Oh, Melissa, okay, cool, thanks. Oh, yeah, okay, oh, got it. Yeah, peace out, right? And I'm that guy like, how do I order a hot chocolate? But while we were standing there, this guy walks in in a similar situation as me. He's like, hey, can I order, uh, can I just order something? They're like, we'd really prefer if you order on the app, sir. He's like, so can I order for you or not? We'd really prefer if you order on the app, sir. And very rudely, he says, it's a yes or no question. Can I order from you or not? And as someone who's been in a situation like that before, I see the look on this barista. Well, she's not really a barista. She's like the hander outer. But the look on her face was, I'm either going to, at 7 a.m., yell at this guy, or I'm just going to take the hit. And to her credit, she sucked it up absorbed the rudeness. But right after, Rose said to me, that was really mean. 
And I said, yeah, that's why we talk to you about being generous and nice and kind to people who make food or work in the service industry. Because who wants to get yelled at at 7 a.m.? Nobody. Nobody. Thankfully, Abraham is not the San Francisco Starbucks guy. There's this dude, Henry Nowen. He, uh, he was uh, from, I think he's Flemish, or he's from Belgium, or he lives in Belgium or something over there. Um, and he started a home for the uh, mentally disabled or people suffering from mental illness um, uh, a long time ago. And he wrote a lot about hospitality. And I'm going to share a couple quotes with you this morning, but this first one goes like this. Hospitality means primarily the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter in and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. Abraham, in this story, didn't change these visitors. He didn't have an agenda for opening up his tent and his table to them. It was through hospitality that Abraham himself was the one who was changed because it was through his hospitality that Abraham saw God. And there's this wonderful play in this scene and this setting that God gives us through the scriptures because they were sitting in his tent taking shade under these oak trees at a place called Mamre. And that word Mamre means vision or sharpness of sight. So Abraham sees the visitors coming. But then, sitting under these trees named for vision or sharpness of sight, he sees that it was the Lord who was visiting him. Now, perhaps this is just hindsight on the part of Moses, who actually wrote the book of Genesis. Maybe Moses was like, oh yeah, that was definitely God, so let's make sure that when we write this narrative, uh, Abraham refers to this visitor as Adonai, which means Lord. Um, but I like to think, when I read this story, I like to give Abraham a bit more credit. I like to think that Abraham had the eyes to see the Lord who visited him. Because Abraham, in his faith, was always seeking and searching and looking for God's presence. And we're to be the same. We're to follow in Abraham's footsteps and learn from this forefather of our faith to seek the Lord through curiosity, to having sharpness of sight, vision, to be looking forward, keeping a watch out for who is coming, where God is coming from next. It's also kind of curious how Abraham watched the Lord eat. Did you guys catch that in this story? Abraham sets the table. He brings all this amazing food, and then he creepily watches over their shoulder while he eats. Can you imagine if, like, you went to someone's house and, like, okay, here, sit at the table, right? But they don't sit down with you. They, like, stand over here, and they're just like, it's good, huh? Yeah, you like that? You want some more? Right? Wouldn't that be weird? But Abraham does this. He does this because he's watching the Lord. He's curious about these visitors. And so what we can take away, at least in one part of this, is that when we are hospitable, it's not just with our physical things, right? Like our tables or our homes or our food. But we, when we seek God, when we're looking for God, 
we can be hospitable with questions, with wonder, with curiosity about the scriptures, the stories, and the characters, and how they actually relate to our everyday lives. We can look to Abraham and say, hey, this isn't just a cute story. But what can we glean from his encounter with these visitors for our everyday lives? This is what being rooted in hospitality is, at least in part, in one way. It's being curious about the other, right? Abraham could have seen the visitors coming and then, like, walked over and it's like, you know, shut the flaps of the tent and then, like, been like, okay, let's be quiet. Maybe they'll walk by and never see us. But instead, he was curious about those others, those strangers that were approaching and that curiosity invited this conversation and, and ultimately this communing with them and this relationship that was developing and leading and pointing to this realization that he had set the table for his Lord. And as such, he received an incredible promise. We won't get into this today, but what happens next in the story is that the visitors say, hey, where's Sarah? Where's your wife? See, Abraham and Sarah were really, really old. They didn't have any kids, but they were desperate for a child. And so after being hospitable and after welcoming the Lord to their table, God said, hey, Sarah, I know you're old. You're going to have a son. And that promise came true. And so we are hospitable, keeping our doors and our tables open, perhaps to catch a surprising promise from God come true. Or better yet, keeping our doors and our tables open, perhaps finding ourselves with a surprise visit from God, or with God, or in God's presence. I told you this is one of my favorite passages, because I love to see how God appears and reveals himself to people throughout the Old Testament. See, we, we usually stop at Jesus and we're like, well, God just kind of like spoke through the prophets or he worked these like miraculous events and things. But God was present with his people from the very beginning of the pages of Scripture. Most ancient scholars and most modern scholars, theologians who have looked at this passage way harder and longer than I have, actually say that these three visitors were either the pre-incarnate trinity, so the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come to eat with Abraham, or at least it was the pre-incarnate Christ, the Logos, the Word of God, with two messengers, with two angels alongside with him. How powerful is that? How crazy is that to think about? How wonderful it is that God, even then, at the very beginning of this story with his creation and his people, was showing us that he will always eat with us. That God always eats with his people. Pointing to his character, giving us clarity and vision to see that our God is hospitable. You see, that same Christ, that same Logos, that same incarnate word of God... After his death and after his resurrection, guess what he did with his disciples to show them that he was alive, to show them that he had fulfilled the promise to die and to rise again? Any guesses? Turn to your neighbor, tell him what you think, make a guess. What did Jesus do after his resurrection? One of the first things he did to show, Ayo, I'm alive, I'm well. If you said that he ate, you're right. Luke's gospel records this. 
Jesus appeared to the disciples, and while in their joy at seeing him alive and resurrected, they were disbelieving and still wondering. And in that moment where they were like, what the heck is going on? And in that moment where they're like, whoa, I'm in wonder. Can this be the resurrected Christ? The same one we saw hanging on the cross. Jesus said to them, you got anything to eat? Like, that's not what I would expect the risen Christ to say, you know? To be like, I am arised. I am here. You know, like, believe in me. But instead he's like, yo, I'm hungry. Come on, guys, you got something to eat? And so they gave him a piece of fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The words of Genesis 18, the presence of God with Abraham was being fulfilled in the presence of these disciples. He was saying, while eating a piece of fish, I'm fulfilling the story of Abraham. I am the one who dined with Abraham. I am that stranger and that visitor who approached his tent and gave his wife that promise. We see the Lord. We welcome the Lord's presence through the rhythms of hospitality. Listen again to what Henry Nouwen says. In our world full of strangers, estranged from their own past, their own culture and country, estranged from their neighbors, friends, and family, estranged from their deepest self and their God, we witness a painful search for a hospitable place where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. Does that resonate with any of you? I hope it does. This is the world we live in. A world estranged from the most basic of their relationships. A world estranged most certainly from God. And yet through hospitality, we can provide opportunities for people to see God, to see the God that we commune with, and to see the God, to have the sharpness of sight the vision to see the God who wants to be in relationship with them. We live in a world that doesn't need to hear a message feeding their hearts and minds with guilt and shame. Do better, be better, act right, and God will love you. That's not what people need to hear. That's not what people are actually seeking to hear. We live in a world that's estranged from a relationship with their Creator. And with the family of God, we live in a world where people need to hear a message of hope, of comfort, of welcome, and warmth. That's where hospitality fits in perfectly. Creating a hospitable place. And test me on this. I dare you to try it. Creating a hospitable place will result in safe, caring, and compassionate space where community can be fostered and where the healing grace of God will most certainly be present. This is why hospitality is an old school rhythm of God's people. It also shows us that hospitality is a rhythm that's rooted in generosity. And what a contradictory 
posture. What a contrary message that is to a world around us that is happily comforted by greed. It is always concerned and consumed by the self more than the other. I mean, if you've ever had people over to your house, when you have people coming over to your house for dinner, you don't serve them weird, cheap food. You know what I mean? Like, who's like, how can I find the weirdest food ever and serve these people? Because that's what they'll love. If you have people over to your house, you try to show out. You know what I mean? You try to cook up that recipe that you know they're going to love, that you've been saving just for this moment. Perhaps you splurge a little bit, spend a little bit more. This is what we see in Abraham as well. He didn't serve the traditional lentil or vegetable stew or soup that the Bedouin of the time would normally eat for dinner. Instead, he does something radical and crazy. He goes and picks a tender calf. He yells to Sarah, yo, make some fresh baked bread. Who doesn't love fresh baked bread? And he grabs some cheese curds. Who doesn't love a squeaky cheese curd? If you've had them, you know. If you haven't, check them out. See, as we see in Scripture, as we see in this story today, hospitality often sets the table for a promise or the fulfillment of a promise. See what I did there? Hospitality sets the table. You eat at a table? Okay, fine, we'll move on. But we see this with Jesus, right? When he was sitting around the campfire eating fish with his disciples, we see it with Abraham and Sarah and the promise of a son of which all of us are descendants of in faith. But we also see it on the night that Jesus was betrayed, on the night that he would be handed over to death. He washed the disciples' feet. Guess who washed the feet of his visitors? Do you remember that in our reading? Abraham said, yo, get some water. We need to clean these feet, these people's feet. They're dirty from their travels. Sit down and let me wash your feet. And it even came before the food because washing of feet in the ancient Near East, in the biblical hospitality, was the first offering of hospitality. Listen to what Jesus did before he communed the Last Supper with his disciples. After this, he, or he had washed their feet. So Jesus went around and actually washed the disciples' feet. He put on his robe and he returned to the table and he said to them, do you know what I just did for you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, for that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. As God's people, we are to be hospitable as Christ himself was hospitable. Eating, drinking, and washing the feet of other people. Being rooted in a rhythm of hospitality then is being rooted in unselfish love. A love that is humbling and it's a love that may never be repaid or even rewarded. Once again, let's wander a bit and encounter Jesus. He had been invited to someone's house for dinner. Happens a lot, actually. But Jesus is invited to this person's house, and he said to the one who invited him, so mind you, he's speaking to the host of the party now. 
When you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and then you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Instead, know that you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the other guests hearing this said, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But everyone began to make excuses. The first one said, "Eh, I just bought some land. I got to go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I just bought a bunch of oxen. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So the servant returned and reported these things to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his servant, Fine, go out at once into the streets and, beca- uh, and, and find everyone in the alleys and the lanes of the town. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, we did exactly what you ordered, and yet there is still room at this table. So then he said to his servant again, Go out and compel many to come. For I tell you, none of those who are invited will taste my dinner. Compulsion is hospitable. Compelling someone to sit with you. Compelling someone to eat with you. Compelling someone to come to your house for dinner isn't weird. It's hospitable. And I hope all of us know this. I hope all of you have experienced a time when someone compelled you to sit with them, grabbed you and said, come eat with me kept bugging you and bothering you until you showed up to their house for dinner. And if you haven't experienced it, let's change that. But I also hope that all of us compel people to come into our homes, to sit at our tables, and to enjoy our company just like Abraham and Sarah, because this is what Abraham did. He compelled the visitors to sit at his table and to eat with them. It says that he ran out to meet them. Dude, this dude was rich. Abraham was like a wealthy person. Running was unbecoming and unbefitting of someone of his stature. But he sprinted to them when he saw them. And he said, come on, you're coming inside. You're going to eat at my table. You're going to recline in the shade of my tent. All to point us to when Christ would do the same. Whether he knew it or not, Abraham was sharpening our vision to see the Christ that would come. For this is what God does for you and I. God compels us to the great banquet table through the cross of Christ. Christ makes available a feast that we were never considered qualified for. We were never invited to attend in the first place. We were just undeserving of it. And yet, Christ compels us to come and eat at his table. Christ himself became the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame and the ignored and the condemned, the incarcerated and the murdered in these stories, fulfilling them in order to give you the promise of a seat at his table and a place at the unending feast of his kingdom. And so we are to compel anyone 
and everyone to eat at our tables. But more than that, to sit alongside of us at the table of the Lord, to receive the presence of Christ's body and blood for the hope, the forgiveness, and the faithfulness of that promise come true. You see, biblical hospitality is an invitation to the same great banquet feast that you enjoy now, but that you will enjoy forever and ever. We are compelled ourselves to dine with Christ. And so let's compel others to experience something undeserved that perhaps they thought was previously unavailable to them for whatever reason. Like Abraham saw, like Abraham experienced, the kingdom of God is here and it's now. In this moment, God sees you. And in this moment, God compels you to come to his table, the Lord's table, Christ's table, to taste and see that his mercy is good and his faithfulness endures forever. So let's not wait for the food to get cold, you know? Let's come and eat. Amen?